0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our Membership Voice webinar. My name is Caro O'Shea, and I'm the Membership Voice webinar coordinator. Today's webinar is the REQ, episode, which will be presented by Rotary of Elizabeth's Key Vice-President and Past Membership Director, Alexandra Love. So it's now my very great pleasure to introduce our panellist, Alexandra Love. over to you, Alex.
1: Thank you, Caro. Yeah, I really wanna thank you for this opportunity. I was, I've been very excited about doing this presentation and also wanna thank you for your guidance in putting this webinar together. I also wanna recognize Sky Gilligan for her technical expertise in putting my slideshow together as well. Sky is a, a very valued member of our, uh, of our club. So as Carrie mentioned, I've been the Director of Membership Experience at Rotary Elizabeth Key for the past 12 months, and this position has been a really, it's been a wonderful honour and something that I've thoroughly enjoyed, as you'll see in these slides. So today I want to talk to you about how it is that we and I, my team, have maximised the member experience in the last 12 months, and I think... The reason I chose this topic is I've noticed that it's essentially the shared experience that really feeds us and it drives us to fulfill our mission, which is to inspire and to facilitate generosity. And that's the whole reason we exist as a club. So that's what I'm going to be talking about this morning. So I think it's fair to say that millennials crave meaningful social connection. And we're all essentially looking for a sense of purpose beyond the day-to-day. At Rotary Elizabeth Key, I think what we're doing is we're cultivating a space for philanthropic young professionals to come together to exchange their ideas, their expertise, their experience, and also their vision. And I really think that this is the future for Rotary. Is creating spaces like this where people feel safe to come together and to explore um, and to nut things out without too many rules and frameworks. So, before I go on, I, I want to give you a little bit of background into how Rotary Elizabeth Key first came to be. So REC, we we shorten it to REC. It's our it's our uh, affectionate term. Was conceived by former president of Crawley, James McLeod, who you can see in the centre there, with the support of former district governor Jerry Pilcher, additional members of District 9455, and also a core group of city professionals that you can see in the photo there. So Rex founders shared a vision to perpetuate the legacy of Rotary. And in particular, the philosophy of service above self by creating a vehicle that appeals to young, well connected, community minded professionals. And fast fought a couple of years, and what stands now is a club comprising of 32 young men and women with a wide range of professional skills, a huge amount of drive, and most importantly, the heart for giving. In the last 12 months, our growth has peaked at 40% and this has enabled us to lay the foundations for ongoing social impact initiatives in Perth and soon, shortly, we'll be extending that to international initiatives as well. So in the last 18 months, we've managed to raise over $70,000 to support charities such as Share the Dignity, Tracks for Gastro Tracks and Cahoots. We also work alongside a range of organisations. We have a close relationship with St Vincent de Paul, which we're exploring and building on. We've worked closely with Path of Hope and we are a... um, a sponsor and a partner of the Centre for Social Impact. And leveraging these relationships is allowing us to maximise our impact in areas of poverty, domestic violence, and homelessness. We also understand the importance of mentoring and inspiring our members to think and to grow as individuals. And so we've delivered a lineup of high profile guest speakers including some of the people that you see here. So, Dr. Bruce Robinson, Lynn Beasley, Sam Walsh. We've also had names such as Warwick Hemsley recently and local entrepreneurs and bright minds such as Darren Lohman and here, as you can see, Fadzi Wahondi. In addition, we have a strategy and innovation team within the club And they're currently working a way to roll out phase two of our design thinking workshops for leaders in social impact in the Perth community. So who are Rotary Elizabeth Key? I think essentially what unites us as a group is altruism. I think all members want to give back but we also want to be self-determined in our pursuit of philanthropy. So we're essentially a group of young professional men and women in the age range of 20 to 40, and we, we enjoy gender equality. So we've got a great split of men and women. We have a range of different skills to draw from. We have accountants, lawyers, financial advisors, health professionals, architects, project managers, small business owners. So we have a a very rich range of expertise and perspectives. And I think this gives us fruitful ground for innovative thinking, but also the fact that we're from a variety of cultural backgrounds. I think this really helps us to connect and empathise with a range of different social issues in our community. Approximately 54% of our membership were born overseas. So now I just want to talk about how it is that we actually, actually allure members to our club. So first and foremost, we follow the principle of word of mouth most people it's a personal invitation through friends or work colleagues or connections and our you know our general networks and this allows us i suppose to filter suitable candidates and make sure that people understand what it is that we're about what we stand for and that they're aligned to our purpose we also have a range of meetings so we meet once a week on average, we are changing our meeting structure slightly, but we meet on a Wednesday. Typically, currently, it's been at the Laneway Lounge in Murray Street. And it's varied. So we will have two project meetings a month so that we're keeping on track with our social impact initiatives. But we also have guest speaker events and we have social socials as well, social get-togethers. So we have a uh, sort of a variety of different types of meetings, which I think is quite appealing. It's not cost prohibitive. We're we're a lot more affordable than other Rotary clubs. We're also flexible. We understand that we are appealing to, you know, busy young professionals who have conflicting commitments. And so we do understand that people can't attend meetings 100% of the time and essentially we're in tune with the needs of our target audience and we cater for that. We also have a strong digital presence, so we understand in this day and age that to reach um, a broad audience, um, we need to be across social media. We have a website, obviously, as well, which has our our running schedule of events provides people with our background etc and what sort of projects we're involved in and thanks to our communications leaders we are are developing our presence on Instagram and LinkedIn as well another way that we allure people into the club is by having service opportunities so this is an example here that you see on the slide of the picture on the right features Kate Parker who is our events lead our events director and this was an event that we held at the end of last year it was a quiz night and the funds that were raised went towards Share the Dignity which is a charity that helps women on the street who might be in need of assistance in the form of very basic things such as sanitary material who may not be able to afford to provide that for themselves so it's you know it's maintaining their dignity and this was our chosen charity that we chose to support so essentially through through Rotary Elizabeth Key Kate had we had this idea to to hold this quiz night she was able to build a team around her and so an idea through Rotary, an idea that somebody, one of our members may have, you know, they have a platform in which to build a team and to execute that and see it right from the beginning, from the conception of the idea through to the end product and then obviously raising significant funds for a charity and so, yeah, service opportunities and and allowing people to do things in their own way I think is a real it's it's the strength of our club so how do we how is it that we build a culture of engagement and ultimately look to retain our membership I think one of the most important things that I've learned is we need to keep people talking so We use a platform called Slack, which is an app which you can download on your phone, and it provides a range of different channels of communication so that people in individual teams or working on individual projects are able to uh, keep the conversation going. Obviously, meeting once a week, you know, that's not enough time for an hour. (laughs) That's not enough time for us to, to make things happen. So there's a lot of communication that goes on. Um, online in between our meeting times. Um, Also seeking feedback um, is important. So uh, in the time that I was member director in the last year, we rolled up two different club culture surveys um, and this just enabled us to track the perspective of members in terms of what's working well in the club, areas for improvement perhaps and then coming together as a team, as a member experienced team, we, we looked at those results and we pulled out themes, areas where we could see that things needed to be tweaked. And together we came up, came up with, you know, some solutions and then fed that back to our members so that they understood that there was something being done in response to their feedback. Encouraging open discourse and I think rewarding people's courage is also really important. People need to feel heard, I think, to, to really buy into what it is that we're doing. Their thoughts, I think, need to be validated and and encouraged because otherwise it's not really appealing for them to, to step up and take the lead. So I think positive reinforcement, yeah, is is something that um, the directors in the club really try to instill. I think as well, practising what we preach as much as possible. So I put these slides up as an example. So Nick Lim, as you can see there, he is our former strategy director and he really led us through early stages of workshops, brainstorming workshops as to what sort of strategy we were going to have as a group, as a club. And last year um, on his birthday uh, when we got together at a projects meeting, uh, he came up with this brilliant idea and for his birthday he uh, put together, he created um, coffee vouchers for all members in the club and he gave, he basically gifted us a free coffee voucher for ourselves and a friend to keep the conversation of Rotary Elizabeth Key going. And I thought that was really a genius kind of idea and gesture. So essentially in that, he was demonstrating generosity, which is our our purpose. He's also shared with us some things. Nick has a psychology background, but something that he has shared with us, which I think has influenced our culture in the club is it's very important to eliminate rank, authority, and ego so that everybody's voice is heard. And this is something that I keep in the back of my mind at meetings. Yeah, a real, a real gem of a real little piece of wisdom, I think, that he shared with us there. I think another way that we have built a really positive culture in the club is by having a structured membership experience team. So here you can see from left to right, Mo, who is our current member director in the background is Stella, who's her two IC in the middle is Lisa Arwan and she's our onboarding lead. And then there's myself there. So having set roles has having set roles in the, in, within that team, we've been quite structured in the way that we approach interested members and really take them on the journey from the point at which they're introduced to the club through to, you know, connecting them with other members, making them feel welcome and then looking to embed them in different roles and help to, to empower them. To, to step up and take positions of uh, more leadership roles in the club. And our job as well really is to look at who will complement one another so that we are building cohesive teams and helping the directors in the different areas to, to get groups of people working really cohesively together and to unlock the sort of potential, I suppose, in each member. And obviously having you know some form of structure helps that so this is just an image of we use google drive as a a resource to store all of our shared documents on and so here you can see this is the membership experience folder in here we've got different relevant documents such as our job descriptions work instructions so that people can find information so that basically we have a a, a well oiled machine that we are trying to operate and then obviously above all it's keeping things fun so there's a lot of hard work but there's a lot of fun that that's that goes into the club and and keeping i suppose like all things possible so we've we've had meetings as varied as yoga sessions meeting for ice cream after work In the city Uh, we've done rock climbing we've we've gone on bike rides with uh, rotary exchange students so uh, keeping things different and fun and varied is is really important Uh, so now i'm just going to talk a little bit about some of the lessons that i learned in the last 12 months as member director so i think first and foremost it's very important to know what the club is needing at that point in time when you're screening prospective members. So for me, it's always been about establishing that the person shares our values, which you can see here. So for basically that they have a good network, that they're looking to exchange with others their skills and attributes and that there's that desire within them to to step up and and to lead and for us to support them in that. So really you can tell from having one-on-one chats with people about their aspirations and about their history and what they've done thus far as to whether or not they're on the same page. Also, whether they've got capacity and, and the will to really convert their ideas into action so that we can be sure that we can actually achieve our purpose to to facilitate generosity in the community. And one of the tricky things that I did encounter was how to become more discerning. Because it is a reality in any club that from time to time there will be members that, you know, you may have to manage Perhaps, and, and we have encountered this where there's, um, there was a bit of distraction really from our purpose and I think the, the more savvy we can be about understanding whether, whether the person is there, there for the right reasons, that is important in terms of protecting our time and, and resources and minimising unrest in the club as well. I think it's very – the the next thing I've learned is it's very important to continue to be supportive, to remember that in your role as a leader in the club, you're really there to enable others and to amplify the the qualities of the collective. And it's very important to be a good delegator, a good coordinator, and to – to keep sharing tasks so that it's everything is achievable. It's very important as well to know your limits and to set boundaries. So in the first couple of years, I think we have really gone gung-ho with projects and we've recognised that we have had a drop-off of, drop of members in this last changeover of Rotary year. And so Steph Terwin, our new president, and I, as her vice president, will be working very hard to increase membership numbers again so that we can continue to deliver these projects and preserve our members and ensure that people aren't feeling swamped. We have a very transient target audience. So, you know, due to our age, our stages in life, establishing careers, starting families, et cetera, there is a lot on people's plate and we need to be able to accommodate that reality and, and plan ahead. So, yeah, se- setting realistic goals but knowing our boundaries, I think, is is uh, on our minds at the moment in order for us to be sustainable, really. In a, I mean, that's that's what's really important moving forward. And lastly, I think working on adaptability. So being adaptable but also remembering that you're going to be handing over So, and being prepared to hand over um, is, is something that I've been doing a lot of in the last month or two. I'm in this transition of between Rotary years. I think being open to suggestions, to new ideas, I'm accepting when, when things maybe should change tack. I read this quote recently, which I thought was really interesting. That I thought I'd share with you this morning. Many an organisation has suffered because a manager was determined to prove that his or her original decision was the right was the right thing um, by continuing to commit resources to a lost cause. It's this concept of they term it um, escalation of commitment concept, which I thought was quite interesting and. I think in this era that we're in, more and more, you, we need to be very responsive and adaptable. We need to keep our finger on the pulse and basically keep asking, you know, where are we now and where are we headed? And that's a conversation that needs needs to keep happening. So in concluding, Kero asked me to come up with a couple of things that perhaps you can do right now but sorry before i get to that let me just summarize and then i will and then i will launch into that so in summary essentially in the last year as member director the three top things that i've learned is one make your club more accessible and respond to your membership know your membership and respond to them number two look out for your members and really try really make sure that you care for them And I think just adopting the attitude to pick up where you left off is useful. And number three, be curious. So network with the people that you admire and in that way, Rotary will remain relevant. Uh, So, yeah, now what you may like to do or have a little bit of a think about if you're feeling the need to go back to your club, do something, first thing I would say, if you're feeling the need for inspiration, go straight to nature. I often just get in my car and go to the hills and I'll go for a walk or I'll just sit and ponder and think having that time and space is very useful to clear your head and often I have waves of inspiring thoughts that come to me in moments like that. Another thing that you might want to try is um, if you're feeling a bit stuck or if you think things are a little bit stagnant, just reach out to somebody. For example, just agree to share your thoughts and maybe one thing that your club could do differently in the next six months so that it's um, it's an achievable goal that you can make happen together. And make a pact to see that through to fruition together so that you're working with someone and maybe one other thing that is useful and beneficial, which we've certainly found in our club, is this idea of a club culture survey. There's um, a very simple template that you can access through Google Forms, which, which I used, um, and, you know, essentially just put together a series of questions that you think will allow you to to ascertain how everything's going in the club, but make sure that you don't just stop there. What's super important is that you, you really look through the results and, that, and you come together with your membership team and work out um, some action points and that you then feed those back to the club so that you t- your members really can see the worth in, in giving that feedback and they know that you've taken that on board and, and it you know, redefines your direction. Okay, that's, that's me, over and out.
0: Thank you, Alex. That was fantastic. Now, okay, question here is, how do you determine that a potential member candidate or a member candidate has the capacity to participate?
1: I think just being very honest about what you're expecting from the get-go. When I, when I interview people, I let them know clearly what the meeting schedules are like that there's the expectation that members will be participating in projects, but that they will also take on a role within a, one of our teams, whether that be within the membership team, the communications team, the strategy team, the events team perhaps, and getting to know what that person, like what other commitments that person has, and, you know, what is their work schedule like, what other things that they got going on in life, not not in any sort of accusational way or interrogative way, but it's just, just being realistic. And then just sort of like asking them, obviously, how much time they, they would anticipate putting aside the rotary and seeing whether that's something that's... We've had people, for example, that through that conversation have said, you know that they've just started in in a new role and that they want to establish themselves there for a period of time and so we've just agreed that they'll come to meetings as they can and then when you know they're feeling like they've got a more breathing space then they return and we have had members convert subsequent to that to having that sort of conversation at the beginning
0: thanks alex you touched on this issue of and i'll paraphrase here poorly performing members How do you manage those situations where a member, say, is either misbehaving or doesn't fit or is not contributing?
1: Yeah, it's tricky. (laughs) So I'll just talk from the situation that we had. I think it's really important to have one point of contact and that person sort of takes ownership of trying to manage that situation and for that to be clearly communicated to the other directors in the club, so that there is one person that's sort of overseeing that situation. So obviously Tristan, as our president, he oversaw that situation, and I was feeding into him, communicating at the board level, where it's a it's a safe um, and a confidential space so that all directors are across what's going on and we can share ideas on how is best to manage that situation. Because essentially we are an organisation that cares about people and so it's not just about cutting people off, it's about being very clear about what the expectations of a member are, having an opportunity for that person to, in a private space, discuss what it is that's going on for them and being... Clear that we're there to support them, but then also putting the onus back on them that there are certain expectations of a member and that if they can't fulfill those, that that's something that we will have to address seriously. And then I think another thing that worked that was very important was communicating that to our wider membership. So uh, we did learn that people need to know what's going on so that there's not hearsay circulating. Yeah, so there are some of the suggestions of the ways that we have managed difficult members, and we have had we did have to terminate one member because you know for for inappropriate conduct, and that's just sort reality of the world in which we live. But we did that as best we could, you know, by being supportive and explaining our reasons, and the situation was well managed and did end well.
0: Thanks, Alex. Turning to your club surveys. One of the issues with any survey process when you first introduce it is that some members won't trust it. So how did you work through that where members may not actually trust your survey process or was that not an issue for you?
1: Yes, no, that was an issue because initially I was a little bit oblivious to the fact that people wouldn't want to put their names on the survey feedback. So we had to alter it. We decided to make it confidential, well, you know, anonymous, sorry. And that did encourage more people to participate. So we got better data return by making it anonymous. But that told me something as well. It was a learning curve for me that people didn't feel particularly, yeah, they were worried that things would be maybe used against them perhaps or misconstrued or, but I think in, in some ways, actually, that informed us that doing surveys is only one way to get feedback. So as a result of that, we then approached things differently. The second time we did a sort of an engagement, you know, a feedback sort of session. Uh, and we we decided that we would set aside time with each individual member and just meet for a coffee or have a phone conversation or something that suited them so that we could have that one-on-one conversation. And sometimes that's a better way of extracting information from people where, you know, they may feel that there's a more trust there or more understanding of what you know, the way in which their feedback will be, will be fed back to, say, the board level. But, yeah, there's so there's different ways of doing it, making it anonymous or, and approaching things differently, doing, having maybe a variety of ways to seek feedback. Yeah, that's what I would say.
0: Thanks, Alex. Turning <laughs> to another aspect of recruiting new members, one of the points that you made was knowing what the club needs. How do you determine that need in terms of recruiting new people?
1: communicating with the directors. So I would try to be up with what's happening in the communications team or uh, what's happening in the events team or the projects team so that I'm clear on where the gaps lie and what positions need to be filled quickly or what sort of skills maybe are lacking so, just through conversation and good communication, I think that is is essential as the member director to be across all things and and also obviously from i think the the membership director role and the president work very closely, and so it was sort of often like three way chats going on also we uh collect data at the beginning of the member experience, so on our application form, members document. Uh, what their skills are and there's a whole range of questions that form part of the application form so we actually that's something that we're that we probably need to utilize better but we do have quite a lot of structured information on our members and what their strengths are what their weaknesses are what areas they're wanting to develop right from the beginning so we have quite a nice overview of, of um yeah our assets and our weaknesses and and whatnot and that strategically I think that is will be probably used more effectively this year we have Will Codd stepping into the strategy director role and we're looking to really map out our organization and our roles and together as a as a as a board we'll be looking more strategically at where we're going and what new roles will probably need to be introduced into the club.
0: Thanks Alex. I think this next question is one that is occupying the minds of all of the switched-on membership teams in the clubs that surround Elizabeth Quay. What happens when your members turn 40? Do you have a...
1: (laughs) What a good question. Well, I don't really want to boot anyone out, to be honest. (laughs) I don't know. It's not a conversation that we've had. And actually, we may already have a member or two who has turned 40 to be honest we don't have strict rules we don't have it's not a black and white thing I think that if the person is contributing to the club and their hearts lies in what we're doing then that's not something that we wouldn't be asking them to leave
0: that I imagine is the number of the times I, I suppose it's the it's the same sort of challenge that uh, that Rotoract has faced for for many years but mm. uh, so now looking at your uh, uh, looking at your leadership, you've just had a fantastic president in Tristan leave office. President Steph is in the chair now and uh, mm. uh, and I know that uh, that I'm sure that that going to do a fantastic job mm. every president. Mm. Every president brings something special to the role. Now, in this case, as I understand it, Stephanie will be your first first woman to be president of REC. Um, Yes. How do you see see Stephanie influencing the the ongoing evolution of your club culture?
1: I think that Steph will. She will bring organisation and delegation and. I think she's very focused on the fact that we need to preserve our membership and we need to build our membership and we need to make things more realistic. I think in the first 18 months to two years, we have been very conscious of we've had so many ideas, we've really gone for it, but for it to be a sustainable organisation, we sort of need to rein things in. And I think that that's where Steph will really shine because she's very methodical and she's very organised and she's very realistic and she's also quite inspiring in the way that she, she's very savvy in the way that she will get other people to step up. And I think that we're going to see probably more leaders emerge in the club under her. So I'm really excited. I think that she's come into the position at the right time and I think that her leadership style will is what we need. And it will be a really nice transition actually from Tristan to Steph.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. Now, turning to another aspect of your your operations, you mentioned the asynchronous channel that you run, the Slack channel that means that people can participate Mm 24-7 and your meetings, which you've just described as something that doesn't demand too much of time for people. Do you see those two things working Perfectly together at the moment, or is there room to improve the interaction between those two modes of meeting?
1: Do you mean um, improve? Sorry, I don't quite understand the question.
0: No, so, because Slack is the uh, is the tool that you use, as I understand it, to communicate between meetings for, for project teams. Yes, people, uh, and it's not so. And it, and, and the most important tool is that it doesn't demand that people be be available uh, at the same time or in the same place yes
1: yes yeah.
0: obviously a, a meeting is a syn- is a very synchronous thing uh, where uh, it wouldn't work if people turned up at different, different times in different places mm. so those two things working together mm. enable a continuing stream of achievement between meetings definitely is
1: yeah.
0: that mix is that mix uh, working as well as you'd like or do you see room for further improvements?
1: I think that we need to be conscious of the fact that Slack can be a bit overwhelming for some people, but we are looking at how to educate our members so that it isn't that way because it doesn't have to be that way. It's, it's just, uh, it's an app that you can adjust the settings on so that you're not being bombarded with notifications of messages left, right, and center, but it's really useful because honestly we wouldn't get what, what we want to get done done if it wasn't for Slack. So uh, I think it's. I think they work synergistically. Having that, having um, a means to communicate online is like it's just essential these days. Um, but it's also very important to respect and prioritize meeting times because you can't you can't be in the background all the time. Something that we've learnt very much is that you do need to be a visual presence for people to well, for the club to exist. And we also have, uh, you know, the expectation that members will be present at 50% of meetings as a minimum. So, there, you know, that needs to sort of be communicated and it is communicated at the board member meeting when people join the club. But we will, I think what we are looking at doing is training up and supporting our members to utilise the functions of Slack in a way that's really... Like friendly for them, you know, so that it it's not sort of intrusive, and it's and it sort of enables them to to get what they need done. But at the same time, we and the other thing I haven't mentioned is that we have our uh, set meetings of a Wednesday typically. But in addition to that, we do meet as teams outside of that. So for example, the membership team we'll have like a a Sunday uh, breakfast meeting every you know one or two months. So there is the expectation that you you you've got to come together physically to you know to to keep things going into the I mean that's what a club's all about. So I don't think that slack detracts from that. It really just supports us.
0: Super. Looking at another thing, the eliminating rank, authority, and ego. And people needing to be heard and get positive reinforcement. So it brings in mind the, the reality that within any group of people you're going to have some who naturally express themselves and others who perhaps tend to be more introverted. Yeah. How, do you, how do you balance that at the same time as obviously respecting the, uh, uh, the leading role of presidents and directors and the like? How do you make all that work so that uh, eliminating authority and ego?
1: Mm. Good question. I think it's something that we sort of probably just need to have in the backs of our minds as leaders. And that probably needs to, I was going to say might need to be, people need to be reminded of, but I don't really think we do because we're all essentially good people getting together to do good things. But I, I tend to just call it out sometimes. I think you know having a sense of humor is is so essential. And when you when you're getting on an exciting idea sometimes the ego, I suppose ego can look like it's starting to run a bit rampant maybe for some people but you know it's sort of where the fun lies as well and we also want people to feel like we want people to step up and sort of have the confidence to say what's on their minds and people will do that in different ways. I think that we try to, one tactic that I noticed that Tristan used, which I thought was awesome, is not talking too much. So as the leader, you know, you say what you need to say, but then you also, you're asking for the input from other people as well, so that you're handing the microphone over and you're including people in that way. So being supportive, having having somebody in the background, I think that sort of really goes up to people in meetings and, and sort of checks in. So that's the, you know, that's the role of the membership team. And then the person that's emceeing or leading the meeting, you know, handing it over and asking for other people's opinions and sort of saying to people in the audience, you know, what do you think of this? Or you know, that's that's a really nice way of, of giving the attention to other people. And, you know, the more you know people, the more you know how to do that. So it's about knowing and caring for your individual members so that you know what's going on in their lives. You know, maybe if things are a little fragile, you know, you're not going to put them on the spot at, at certain meetings. But having those convers- honest conversations at a board level as well, I think. Yeah, so humour, honesty and just keeping a supportive vibe and, and making sure that you are encouraging all everyone's voice, not just the people that are the vocal ones but actually asking for feedback from the ones who may not be quite so forthcoming.
0: Super. So in all of that, perhaps one last question, one last question. What does, what does REC do to, in terms of in, inclusion to, say, encourage, say, leaders with disability or people who may not be in the mainstream to join the conversation at what is obviously a very, very democratic rotary organisation?
1: That is a really good question and that's not something I can answer easily, actually. It's not something that we have sort of discussed, I suppose, formally at a board level. However, I do trust that our directors are approachable and are on the lookout for community-minded people that come in all shapes and sizes and do feel that diversity is, is um, it's something that we do really value and take seriously, um, which is why we've faced some situations where appropriateness of members perhaps at times has been a bit questionable because you, you give, well, you know, it's important to get to know people and to give them the benefit of the doubt and to support them. But on a specific level of people with disabilities looking to join the club, that's probably an area that we could look at improving and perhaps something that Mo could take on as her part of her role this year moving forward. It's a really good question and it's something, that's a conversation I'd quite like to have with whoever asked the question.
0: Bearing in mind that we did we did commit to our audience that we would we would be on for about forty minutes, and we've gone a little bit over time. It's probably a, a good time to finish up. In closing, uh, I would like to thank our audience for being with us, but most of all, a great big thank you to uh, Alex True Love for a fantastic presentation. Thank you, Alex. Very well. Thank
1: you. I really enjoyed it. I hope you all got something out of it.
0: <laughs> Farewell, everyone.